0: Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am Dr. Catherine Pang, and it's so great to share this time together. Welcome to The Living Way, the podcast ministry of the Christian Life Institute and the Christian Life Institute's purpose, to grow Christians forward, to live victoriously as overcomers in but not of the world through the hope and healing of Christ. If you miss any of our messages, you can find a link and more information on our website at christianlifeinstitute.com. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, ChristianLifeInstitute.com, to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. As we begin, you may want to grab a Bible and follow along as we share scripture throughout our time together. Our message today is titled, Peace. Our anchor scripture is Mark 439, and I quote, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Have you ever been on rough seas? Have you ever been in a boat in the ocean when the waves were crashing and the winds were blowing? A tempest is a violent, windy storm, and I suspect the disciples were in the midst of one when Jesus awoke in Mark 4.39 and rebuked the wind and the sea. Let's set the scene from Mark 4. In Mark 4, 1 and 2 we read, and I quote, Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them. The foregoing chapter began with Christ entering into the synagogue. Now Jesus was standing in a ship while his hearers stood upon the land. He was able to expand access to those who could not enter the synagogue. Verses 3 through 9 depict the parable of the sower. In verses 10 through 20 Jesus explains the purpose of teaching in parables and states in verses 11 and 12, you, speaking to the disciples, have been given the secret of the kingdom of God for they had believed in Jesus as the promised Messiah and Savior. But for those outside, everything is in parable, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. What does the parable teach? Many suggestions have been made. The abundance of the harvest despite the loss of some seed encourages Christians despite their failures, despite repeated failures, that the kingdom will come. Contrary to appearances, the kingdom has already come. The parable explains why the gospel was rejected by so many. The parable forces hearers to examine their reactions, their responses to the gospel. While most Bibles have labeled this passage the parable of the sower, the emphasis is really on the different kinds of soil and how the gospel is received by hearers of the word. In verses 11 and 12, Jesus explains why he spoke to the mixed multitude in parables, namely because most of them were as yet incapable of receiving the gospel. Some would not believe it. Others reviled and rejected it. Therefore, Jesus encourages his own disciples to search out his words spoken in parables and humbly to inquire into their full meaning so that they might become able ministers and efficient preachers of the gospel. Jesus also shows how this efficiency cannot be obtained by their own strength, but they must humbly seek it from God through the power of the Holy Spirit, for it is his own gift which he bestows on the disciples and denies to others who he leads to the blindness of their own hearts. Jesus then explains the parable beginning in verse 13. You can read Mark 4 for the full depiction. The takeaway is in verse 20 when Jesus says in a paraphrase, those who sow seed on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. He then shares another parable in verses 21 through 25, a lamp under a basket. The takeaway, a lamp is not hidden so as to hide its light. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it would measure to you. For the one who has more will be provided in verses 26 and 29 we read the parable of the seed growing the takeaway when the seed is ripe the harvest comes in verses 30 and 32 we have the parable of the mustard seed the takeaway the kingdom of God begins small as a mustard seed and when it grows it becomes larger and all the garden plants put out large branches in verses 33 and 34 we read With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. Then we come to verses 35 through 41, in which we find our anchor verse. Let's read these verses. Beginning in verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's recap as we move into the message of peace. Jesus shares about how people do or do not receive the word of God in the parable of the sower. How are you receiving the word of God? Is your heart open and tender? Is your heart receptive to the truth of God's word, even when it is not what you may want to hear? The next takeaway and key point, are you accepting the truth of God's word and allowing your vesselness to bear his fruit in you? The next takeaway and key point, are you shining your light brightly for the Lord Or are you hiding it so as to avoid criticism rejection and other possible painful consequences for your connectedness to christ the next takeaway and key point are you maturing in christ are you fruit bearing and producing large branches upon which others may rest as you disciple them in christ he explained all to the disciples as we read in verse 34. the crowds may have been confused but his disciples had no excuse They heard the truth of Christ's teaching, and its meaning was made known by the Maker. Jesus, remember, begins teaching the crowds with his disciples in a boat. He spent the entire day teaching from the boat. As we read in verse 35, it's now evening, and Jesus says, Let's go across to the other side. At that time, a great windstorm came. Waves were breaking into the boat, and the boat was filling with water. What is the windstorm in your life? Do you feel as if the waves are breaking into your world and you're sinking beneath the weight of the waters? Take a moment and remind yourself, Jesus is with you. He is always with you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. He never forgets nor ceases to care about you. Yes, you choose to believe. If you know the truth of God's word, anchor into the truth of who he says he is. And choose to cry out Lord increase my faith that I may have your peace which surpasses understanding Jesus was at peace Jesus is peace Jesus was asleep in the stern of the boat on a cushion Jesus was not concerned with the storm nor the wind nor the waves nor the water in the boat why are you concerned he is with you in the midst of the tempest his disciples were gripped by fear. They forgot the teachings, the healings, the truth of their Savior, as they likely dashed to find Jesus and then woke him and cried, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? How many times, yes, there is an assumption that we all have fallen prey to in our flesh in this way. How many times have you said, God, don't you care? God, don't you know how hard, unfair, unpleasant this Whatever your this is, is? God cares for you. He cares more than you can imagine. Jesus awakes, rebukes the wind, and says to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Jesus is saying to you, right here, right now, Peace, be still, be calm in me. Can you choose to take a deep breath? Can you choose to be still and remind yourself that he is God, he is on the throne, he has a perfect plan birthed out of his love for you? Can you choose to believe, not feel and appropriate his peace and choose calm? Jesus then turned to the disciples and said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They knew who he was. They knew his power. Yet they were filled with fear and stated as one without faith. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Yes, we are human and vulnerable and weak. Yes, we often forget. Yet in those moments, it's imperative that we choose to remember. We choose to turn to Scripture and believe as God says that with him all things are possible as he gives us often at time what appear to be impossible possibilities but God. Let's turn to Philippians 4, 6 through 7 and read and I quote, Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Yes, a familiar passage, and yes, easier said than done. Let's exegete this passage as we continue to focus on his peace and his gift of his peace to us, his children. First verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. The takeaway? Stand firm in the Lord. Choosing to stand firm is imperative. Anchor yourself in his truth. If we don't have a firm footing, we are apt to lose our balance and our perspective. Before we move to verses 6 through 7, in verses 4 and 5, we read, and I quote, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Paul is exhorting us to rejoice in the Lord and remember that God is sovereign, and he can take care of any situation as nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is too big for God. Nothing is outside of God. Paul says rejoice always is your response that's absurd I'm not rejoicing in the fact that I cannot find a job I'm not rejoicing in the fact that my spouse has cancer I'm not rejoicing in the fact that my child is failing his classes and not interested in school and on and on and on and on and on the list continues Paul is not exhorting you to rejoice in your circumstances Paul is exhorting you to rejoice in the Lord, the person of Jesus Christ, the one who redeemed you and brought you out of darkness into his glorious light. All too often we are so micro-focused on the narrowness of our circumstances that seems so big, so insurmountable, so impossible that we take our eyes off of the fact that Jesus is in the boat and place our eyes on the fact that the boat is filling with water. No matter the circumstances choosing to rejoice in the lord is a choice to recognize his sovereignty his supremacy his timing his ways paul says at the end of verse 5 the lord is at hand then with that foundation paul says do not be anxious about anything are you thinking seriously that's impossible we're sinful flawed humans and we're going to worry. We're going to be anxious. Yes, we are prone to worry, to fear, to be anxious, but God, if you start with firmly rooted and plantedness in Christ, if you start with eyes up, focused on the sovereignty of God, if you start with a heart of Thanksgiving, gratitude and rejoicing for him in you, then you can choose to shift from worry, anxiety, and fear, to prayer. Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Prayer is an alternative to worry. But God, don't try and talk yourself out of your anxiety, worry, or fear, as that rarely, if ever, works. Instead, but God, walk it out, pray it out, as David did in the Psalms reframe into the truth that while the circumstances are whatever you want to label them with descriptive adjectives God is at work and you can pray about anything and everything Paul says pray about everything talk to God about everything God cares about your every need every detail no matter how small no matter how big prayer is talking with God communing with God E.M. Bounds, who wrote multiple books on prayer, in which you can buy in a compiled version known as E.M. Bounds' Complete Works on Prayer, which we highly recommend, stated, and I quote, "'Prayer is no petty duty put into a corner, no piecemeal performance made out of the fragments of time which have been snatched from business and other engagements of life, but it means that the best of our time, the heart of our time, and strength must be given.' To prayer. Prayer is not a mechanical go-through-the-motions kind of thing. It's talking openly, rawly with your Savior. We must choose to prioritize prayer. In our podcast on November 4th, we talked about how Jesus would intentionally depart from healing, preaching, his acts of service, to take time to find a quiet place and commune with his Father, talk with his Father in prayer. The moment you enter into prayer, you enter into his presence, and in his presence is the calm to the storms of your life. In his presence, we find peace. Come with all your needs. Don't worry, but God, pray with thanksgiving and gratitude. Pray thank you, Lord, that we can come and commune talk with you. He invites us, urges us, desires us to come and speak, share, cry with him, but God, He is the decision maker god answers prayers in his way and his time this is critical too many have turned away from god because they did not like god's answer to their prayer it is not for us to choose he is sovereign god who knows what is best and our choice is to believe he knows what is best personalized for you even when you cannot see it do not understand it and especially do not like it. God does not promise to change our circumstances, but he does promise us peace to quiet our internal storms and anchor us in him. So go back to the final part of our anchor verse, verse seven, where we read, and I quote, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace in the midst of That is his promise to us. Think about it for a moment. You're allowing your fear, worries, anxieties, insecurities to grab a hold. And the internal storms are intense and even the external storms wage stronger. Remember, God's priority is our spiritual condition. He does desire our spiritual prosperity, which is not necessarily our external prosperity. He does not promise us jobs, health, wealth. He promises us spiritual peace. He is more than able to calm the external storms as he commanded the winds and waves and they obeyed him. But think about it. It's not much of a testimony to our Savior if we preach peace when all is well. The greater testimony which flows from dependence and surrender to our Savior is the one of peace in the midst of the storm. He wants to calm the storm in our hearts. Remember, God's greatest concern is our spiritual well-being. Our lack of ability to trust in the storm should be of great concern to us. And this is where we recognize our need to cry out, Lord, increase our faith. Pray he increases your faith. By all means, pray for changed circumstances. But God, pray for peace that surpasses all understanding. His peace cannot and will not come through our own sense-making. Despite our false beliefs and perceptions, explanations will not satisfy. Understanding will not satisfy. We do not live by explanations or self-produced understandings. We live by faith and the truth of His promises. We must choose to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, to put on the fullness of the armor from God, from Ephesians 4. Ephesians 6:10 through 18. Let's read it together. Ephesians 6:10 through 18. And I quote, "Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints notice he begins with be strong in the lord remember in philippians 4 1 which we read when exegeting the passage on not being anxious paul said Stand fast in the Lord. Start with the firm footing. Be strong in him as there is no expectation, unspoken or otherwise, that you be strong in you. Stand fast in the Lord, not in your own abilities, thoughts, or ways. Then put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the forces of evil, the flesh, and the world, the external storms which are adept at destroying our peace. Paul says again before he depicts the purpose of each piece of armor in verses 13 and 14 to take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm stand there for do not run do not hide stand in Christ protected by his armor protect yourself in the breastplate of righteousness from hardness of heart which comes from adverse circumstances and thoughts that invade and deceive. Pray for a spiritual hedge of protection about you as you align with him. And as Paul reminds you from the armor passage in Ephesians, to stand firm and pray. Put on the helmet of salvation to guard your mind as your head is protected by the truth that you have been saved by grace through faith and it is not a work of your flesh. It is a gift from God. As we read in verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication. We open with an exhortation toward prayer and supplication, and we close with an exhortation towards prayer and supplication. His gift is peace in the midst of the mess. As E.M. Bounds reminds us, the most important lesson we can learn is how to pray. The purpose of the Christian Life Institute is palpable. We want all who profess Christ to taste and see that the Lord is good from Psalm 34:8. to truly, deeply, intimately, and personally want Christ to be your all in all. We pray this is a time of refreshment and growth. We value your prayers. We value your support. Please send us emails at radio at christianlifeinstitute.com. Thank you for joining us for the Living Way, presented by the Christian Life Institute. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, ChristianLifeInstitute.com, to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. I'm Dr. Katherine Pang, and I thank you so much for joining us.